so you were involved in CrossFit, obviously, when when I got to know you, and now sure. you're doing more like your own stuff, like online coaching, mostly, it seems like, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's me. Um, I really, I love the individual stuff, you know what I mean? I love, like, I love taking taking somebody, kind of assessing everything I can about them, you know, lifestyle, history, injuries, goals, yeah. preferences, you know, and staying, you know, and really just kind of putting together the plan that I can say, okay, you're here, you want to be here, this is what I can 100% stand over as the best fucking plan that I think I can give you. Yeah. based on these circumstances and you know all of the uh, these considerations and you know i think i've just always enjoyed that anyway you know i always enjoyed like the one-to-one kind of uh you know back when i was a crossfit coach you know it was always a compromise you know what i mean like you have this gym full of 250 people and you're trying to design yeah. a program or a couple of different programming streams that are going to like you know hit 250 different folks and um, man i could just never do it you know i could yeah. never actually make it work in a way that i was actually you know that i was really proud to stand over and say yeah. yes this is exactly what that guy and that guy and that guy mm. and that guy should all be doing on this particular Tuesday morning. It's like, yeah, this is close. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's not bad. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, I don't think it's, you know, we could, we could change a few things, but like, this is on average pretty okay. Yeah. You know, it's, and that's about the best you can do. Uh, I think with a group training model and, you know, for most people, that's fucking fine. But, yeah. you know, I think so, you know, for folks that have like more specific goals or that, you know, have some, you know, some limitations or things or like, you know, so if, if your knee just always gets fucked up every time you do, I don't know, 50 squat snatches for time or something like that. It's like, mm-hmm. do you need to do that? I don't know. You know, you yeah, lose yeah. 10 pounds, you know, do okay. We could spend six weeks like working on your positioning and loading and kind of working into this, you know, making this so you could do that. But like, you know, maybe, maybe just get you to go from drinking 20 pints of beer down to like 12 <laughs> a week or something that's might be more relevant. Get you from being able to do like a, a body uh, or squat with the bar to being able to get like, you know, 10 or 20 more kilos on there in a progressive manner. That's not you like flogging yourself. I had a similar thing with, uh, after I, I did that internship, I thought my roots was that I wanted to go into strength and conditioning for team sports. Mm. I think and, uh, there, don't they? Huh? Everybody thinks that when they start, don't they? <laughs> yeah, and actually, I remember you guys saying that to me, and saying don't fucking do it. <laughs> there was there was probably nothing you could have said to me at that time that would have would made, have made me learn that lesson, as opposed to actually just going and trying to do it. Mm. And uh, I mean, there's a whole host of reasons why I don't think that's a good idea anymore. But to link into what you were saying there, one of the issues I found was that that like you're giving out these generalized programs to say like a whole team that you have in a gym and you could have one guy over here who's deadlifting like 250 kilos and then you've got another guy who might be very good at a sport but like literally can barely bend over to pick up a a 16 kilo kettlebell off the floor and i'm Mm -hmm. like how the hell am i meant to run a whole session of like 25 of these guys at once and then you've got other stuff like competing ideas from like what the head coach thinks they should be doing and what they're seeing on instagram blah blah blah, blah. but I, I realized that wasn't for me either in the committee man i've never done that but like i would imagine that would drive me around the fucking bend like it's <laughs> yeah and all, all the while all the while you're expected to have at least a master's degree and work for less than somebody at mcdonald's would be getting so you're just like but surely you're conditioned to that throughout your whole university experience it's like hey you're right. gonna be a tutor and it'll supplement your income and all these assignments <laughs> by the way it takes you it takes you three for, hours to correct an assignment and you get 10 yeah. quid for it. <laughs> like, I worked for free in UCD um, as a strength and conditioning coach for like, now in, in fairness, like at the start when I was working for free, it was before I actually had any qualifications. So I think that's, mm-hmm. that's fair enough. But uh, you know, even after getting a qualification, I was working for free for like the guts of a year and stuff. I'm not really getting paid for it. So well, there's a big thing in strength and conditioning of like, 
you you should love this so much that you should expect to make no money out of this and never complain about it and you're just like uh. I, found that, I found that shit running a commercial gym man you'd find people who'd be like well you know so and so down the street is like 20 quid a month cheaper than you and i think he just really does it for the love of the game rather than for the money and it's like okay cool i mean does his landlord do it for the love of the game <laughs> Can I go to the bank and, and tell them how much I love the game when I'm looking when for a When he goes into Tesco to do his shopping, does he have this love of the game card? Can I get this kind of my groceries, please? You know, it's like, what? <laughs> Fuck off. We're exchanging value here. If you value this service at this rate, this is what I'm prepared to provide it for. Yeah. You don't, yeah. you know, that's, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Feels, yeah, if there's so much of that fucking starving artist bullshit and fitness, you know, like, so, yeah. you know, if you, uh, oh, I don't know. We could talk about that for fucking ages. Don't know how interesting that'd be, but <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, we'll loop back into it because I kind of I want to uh, obviously introduce you to people who aren't following you online. I think a lot of the people who listen to this are coaches, but there would also be a few people as well who are interested in coaching. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the people that I work with and probably similar to, similar to you have uh, tried other ways of doing things and group training, or whatever, and realized it wasn't for them, and they're looking for coaching. So it'd be good to get an introduction to base. Uh, who you are, like maybe how you got introduced to this whole fitness thing to begin with. Cool. Yeah. Uh, All right. So where we start, I suppose early twenties is kind of the the point where I got really serious about it. Um, I was in college. I got really fucking fat and was like a very talented beer drinker and kebab eater. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's pursued that all of its own. Uh, Man, I could do rounds of kebabs. Yeah. I'd buy a kebab and then I'd sit down at the table. By the time my friends were like at the table, I'd have one eaten, and I'd get back in the queue and get another kebab. And like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's uh, that's how we used to roll. Yeah. But yeah, so got up to about uh, 17 and a half or 18 stone. I don't know, whatever 125 kilos is in stone or something wow. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm 5'8 as well. That wasn't pretty. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't filling out the frame. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I still used to bench press. So I think I must have had like a 44-inch chest at the time as well because like my t-shirts did hang down pretty straight. But it was yeah, like, yeah. A, it was a serious optical illusion. <laughs> I swear enough thick jumpers and you're okay. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, this is no fucking good. So what do I do? Buy men's health. It says, all right, avocados, the secret to six-pack abs. Cool. Let's eat mm-hmm. some of these. Next <laughs> month, it says uh, squats are the secret to six-pack abs. And it's like, fuck, I thought it was about avocados, but all right, we'll do some squats. <laughs> and then you read the third month that says, hey, you know, reducing your fat intake is the secret to six-pack abs. Some avocados have lots of fats. So don't eat avocados. <laughs> like, okay, this is bullshit. Got to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't be so like mainstream fitness advice to contradict itself regularly yeah i've joked before like if there was anything useful in men's health why the fuck would there ever be a second issue <laughs> <laughs> you could write it all in the first hundred pages Dirty, you just need one issue and then that's it the fucking business is over like yourself uh, <laughs> maybe a self-imploding industry if it actually had anything useful to say yeah but the uh it's, it's got a lot better in recent years i know but uh yeah so i was looking around i found crossfit and i thought okay that looked cool and I got utterly fucking obsessed with that. I was like paleo dieting. You know, I was the guy who was bringing a bag of almonds into the restaurant with me. And like, I was oh, yeah. having like uh, eating the lean protein and the side order vegetables. Then I'd have like, you know, 13 almonds sort of my zone blocks for balance and all that kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sorry, yeah. just not to, not to interrupt, but what, what sort of time period was this? Was this around the time when CrossFit was starting in Ireland, like 2006-ish or? Um, let me get this straight. So I had... I suppose, uh, yes, yeah. So uh, I suppose I left university in 2007. So my last year in college, that would be 2006. Yeah, that kind of territory. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was when it was, uh, it was fairly unknown. All right. Yeah. There was uh, like when I started, it was basically me and, you know, some people on some forums who tried to work out here and there, but like weren't really 
kind of all in. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I'm not sure. I found anybody who claims the title of uh, Ireland's earliest crossfitter uh, that was earlier than me. But uh, <laughs> 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 maybe there was some guy out there somewhere who'll hear this and like fucking write to me really angrily. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there was definitely no gyms or anything like that. Like. Uh, so the first uh, permanently established CrossFit facility in Ireland was a little scaffolding tower I built out in my parents' back garden. Uh, so I had like three or four bays of scaffolding that I put together and I had somewhere I hung rings. And uh, I had an old tow rope I used to do rope climbs on. That was a nice way to cut your hands up. <laughs> ah, dedication. Uh, mm, yeah, well, I didn't really think about it that way. I was just like, okay, I want to do this. How do I yeah. do it? There's no cross. Okay, I need somewhere to hang rings. Cool, so let's go. And you stumbled uh, across this probably on YouTube or something, did you? Or um do you know this is a really random story but i still remember it was uh i was uh do you ever you know scott adams the dilbert creator the what creator dilbert the cartoon yeah 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 so i was uh, i used to read his blog and i read one of the articles it seems uh read one of the articles on his blog and somebody in the comment section said oh you know i've just like uh, i've got piles of energy all the time i'm doing this program called crossfit that all the special forces people do so i said what the fuck's that and i was like yeah. just wasting time in college so i just uh i went out of crossfit.com and read a bunch of uh I think I did what everybody did back then. I read a few articles and then I saw some pictures of Greg Amundsen with his shirt off and said, okay, cool. I'm going to look like that. Yeah. See you. <laughs> I'm so say no more. Yeah, okay. This guy counts almonds. I'm going to count almonds. Fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I saw that video. Uh, maybe you remember this one of uh, the famous one of uh, Josh Everett and Greg Amundsen doing Fran. And uh, like one of them finished the workout. Do you know that one? Is this, is it they're doing it outdoors? No, no, this one was uh, indoors on two power cages in some gym somewhere. Okay, and, I'm not sure uh, I remember that one. I think they had Jack White's rendition of Jolene playing as the soundtrack on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I saw that one. I don't no. many like it, though. Well, this is back in the day before CrossFit uh, abandoned the sort of slightly hypocritical position about uh, copyright infringement. So, you know, the way, like, you know, if you put the word CrossFit on something, like, mm. CrossFit will sue you. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't matter if you're Done. like, you know, anywhere in the world like they'll find you and they'll fucking get you yeah but like in the early days every one of their videos would have some like mainstream commercial music like on top of it and uh, uh, yeah, yeah. they were for that shit you know what I mean? yeah 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 <laughs> so anyway they've moved on from there since but uh okay what was i telling you that yeah so i saw these guys doing this video i was like okay what do these fuckers do mm. and like so somebody did, they did fran in like two minutes and 40 seconds and uh greg was like 315 or something so I was like, okay, you know, it's, it's, I can have a go at that. <laughs> can have a go at the hardest workouts ever. Yeah, fucking three-minute workout. How hard can this bullshit be? <laughs> I work out for 20, 40 minutes sometimes. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like three minutes. So, yeah, I tried it, and I put 40 kilos up into my little Argos bar, and I had a doorway pull-up bar, and I did a sort of a buckety looking kip with my knees tucked up behind me. Uh-huh. And that took me something like 45 minutes to get through. <laughs> yeah, I've been there before. That's, yeah. <laughs> Said, okay let's go and uh, so just yeah just did the main side workouts uh ate the paleo diet lost something like i don't know what's the gap between 125 and 77 77 77.5 kilos is the lightest i got down to so what's that like 40 be 50 or kilos or something like that i don't think it was yeah yeah no no it'd be 50 kilos would be like i got to the low 70s but anyway it was a lot of fucking weight yeah and uh, so That's i lost an awesome yeah. weight yeah, and I got halfway decent at it. You know, I pursued it pretty fucking hard. So, I mean, what was that? Between 2006 and uh, uh, competed in the European Regionals then in 2009. I think I took sixth place in Europe that year. And uh, I was always about nice. a year behind the... I was always about a year behind the pace, you know? So, yeah. like, in 2010, I was able to do shit that would have got me to the CrossFit Games in 2009. And in 2011, yeah. I was able to do shit that would have got me to the Games in 2010. Hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, the what was it? Cross, of course, the competitors seemed up bigger and bigger and bigger. Something like you know, sixth place in Europe sounds kind of cool until you realize that the CrossFit regionals that year was twenty guys in a shed in Northern Ireland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, two thousand eleven, I was like, I think I was thirteenth place in Europe or something like that. I had a pool of like you know fifteen hundred people or something. So yeah, it was halfway reasonable at that point. So somewhere along the line, opened the gym and became a coach. And uh, yeah, that's what I did for 10, 12 years. Uh, taught yeah. people to do CrossFit, yelled at them, uh, told them to counter. i think it's hard for people um who weren't into fitness in that kind of period of like 2007 to maybe 2014 ish or so to to understand just how big of a thing the whole paleo diet thing was Um, you you might as well fucking forget about it like you were going to die at age 50 if you weren't doing paleo and if you were doing it you were going to turn into some sort of like unstoppable yeah. mutant who was going to like i don't know <laughs> lift every weight that ever existed and yeah. get like a get one of those elite level body weight snatches and <laughs> all that and kind like, of shit. looking back you know i, I remember i, I kind of got into it to a certain degree i know i can't eat sweet potatoes anymore because at one point <laughs> apparently the only carbohydrates that weren't going to destroy my health were sweet potatoes and i think it was brown rice um mm-hmm. white rice was bad that was off the cards um and then yeah, there was this whole thing about like roots and tubers and stuff like that. Hey, but yeah, I remember they kind of snuck in. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think one of the the thing that kind of like was my breaking point where I was just like, oh, this is absolute bullshit. Was I was I was in uh, I was in the gym where I did the internship with you actually, and a guy came up to me and I was eating a salad and it was mm. like chicken and various little vegetables in there and stuff like that. <laughs> he said to me, he was like. Uh, you know the sweet corn on that is really bad for you. And I was like, "What?" And he was like, "Yeah, man, nightshades. Can't be eating nightshades." And I was I think just sweet like, corn's a nightshade. I, I don't even think it is a nightshade, but I didn't even know what a nightshade was. I was like, "Wasn't that the move from Pokemon that like Gengar used?" Or <laughs> I didn't know like, nightshades for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was the last time I heard the word nightshade used, and. Uh, that was kind of the point where I was like, okay, if I'm at the point now where we're literally like having the wrong vegetable in my salad is bad for my health, something something has gone awry here. Well, I mean, you got in when like the when like people were starting to acknowledge that maybe you know root vegetables and sweet potatoes were actually like you know possibly not going to kill you. Yeah. Like at one point, I was doing uh, I was doing 18 zone blocks a day, and uh, I had been led to believe that the ultimate way to get your carbohydrates in was through green vegetables, right? So I don't know if oh, you like, that's a lot. Yeah, of right. So it's like <laughs> each of my meals had two plates, man. So like I'd sit oh, down man. and like I would have a plate of like, you know, I'd have like some lean protein and some kind of fat source, but I would yeah. need a second plate to get all my vegetables. Because like, you know, you did four zone blocks per meal. That's like four and a half cups of broccoli got you one block. So I'd have like three cups of broccoli. <laughs> Sorry, no, two, one and a half cups of broccoli with one block of carbs. So I'd have like, you know, three cups of broccoli, cup of green beans, you know, two or three cups of fucking fries. <laughs> you, guys, shit. you guys must have been going treble over your budget for toilet paper. You know, you, you can adapt to all kinds of shit. I think your digestive system really amps up in response to whatever yeah. it's asked to do. But like the, you know, so I was like, at one stage I was working a construction job in the summer. And my dad was involved in the thing at the time. So I was working like 10 fucking 12 hours on a site. Yeah. And then I was like trying to train and lift weights in the evening. And I'm like, I'm on these nutrition forums going, hey, I'm kind of tired, man. <laughs> Anybody else feeling this way? I'm doing a lot, I'm doing all this physical activity and I'm really tired and I'm eating all my zone blocks. I'm like, what should I do? Yeah. People are like, yeah, add more fat. Yeah, up the fat. So I was like drinking olive oil and shit. And oh. it's like, it's like, why is nobody talking about the fact that I'm doing a bunch of like carbohydrate fueled activity and I'm, <laughs> I'm not eating any carbohydrate? 
Yeah. I'm literally doing like, you know, 10 hours of black literally demanding bullshit and then lifting weights in the 20 to 40 second territory. Like that, mm -hmm. that activity can't, can't be fueled by fat. Like what's, yeah. what's happening? <laughs> you know, that's like, if somebody had opened a fucking nutrition textbook back in 2006, that's what they'd fucking say. But, <laughs> but that was all run by big carbohydrates, you know? Oh yeah. 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 Well, that stuff's fascinating, isn't it? It's like, you know, <laughs> Well, you know what I mean? Like, you know, all the shit like, oh, you know, the, the, the cure for all this stuff is well known, but it's been hidden and, uh, you know, big farmers just paying people. It's yeah. like, okay, so you're a fucking doctor and you know this is the secret to eternal life. What would you rather? All that Nobel Prize money or that big pharma check? You yeah. know, like. <laughs> I also think it's funny how, like, uh, you know, I, I think it's the same as, like, when, when people, like, believe that, you know, elite CrossFit level athletes couldn't be taking drugs. But it's of the same, no. same logic they apply to, like, Oh, those uh, those scientists can have uh, financial interests that affect their results, but the guy with the blog post definitely couldn't be trying to get you to buy his supplements. I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> so a, I, I just I just thought it was interesting, like the because the the paleo thing became like there was like more. It was very slowly like more and more. Uh, acceptances made about like, well, yeah, you still need to be eating paleo, but you can eat white rice and mm -hmm. uh, it's okay. And then eventually it was like, oh, that's okay to have a treat every now and then. And eventually you get to the point where it's literally just good sound nutrition advice, but still with like the, the paleo kind of stamp put on us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've no idea what's going on in those communities these days. Like it crosses my radar occasionally when somebody's like, you know, I stopped eating those evil green vegetables and my arthritis reversed. And it's like, you yeah, know, like the, there's a guy called Liver King now, isn't there? He's kind of fun. <laughs> well, it's funny. Like, I mean, anybody who I read up who's been in the industry for years, like, say, Jim Wendler or people like that or Mark Ripito or whatever, they all laugh about how, like, if you stay in it long enough, you'll just see the same trends come back with a different name slapped on us. Mm -hmm. So apparently there was something very similar to the, the paleo diet back in the 90s or maybe late 80s, I think. And I think it was called the warrior diet. Oh, I remember um, that. Uh, yeah, the one meal a day bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. There's been various iterations of fasting and um, the whole, I mean, the Atkins diet was the original kind of like high protein, high fat, low carbohydrate diet as well. Oh, you got to go back further than that, man. You got to go back to William Banting in the 1800s. That exactly. First, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was the first, uh, well, the, to be fair, that diet included dry white toast as well, but it was the, yeah, it was very small amounts. It was a low carb diet. And it was, uh, mm. There's a pamphlet going around. Uh, oh, I don't remember the name. It had one of those really cool 1800s names, like the expulsion of fat and remaining, you know, like yeah. something. <laughs> you know, that kind of shit. At least you yeah. could excuse people back then for not having access to solid science to support this stuff. But um, uh, I don't think it makes any difference. People have all kinds of access to science these days and they just don't read it. Like it's no difference. Yeah, well, that, that's no. what I mean. Like at least in, <laughs> back in like the, the early 20th century, like, you know, they didn't have a, a load of science to reference, but now there's no excuse. Like there's so much stuff out there um but so anyway that was your kind of introduction to training and then you got into into coaching um i suppose a, another question i wanted to ask you was what were the because you were primarily coaching people with uh crossfit for mm -hmm. for years and I, I don't know if that's what you do with people now or if it's more kind of a general strength and conditioning training but what were kind of the main lessons or takeaways you learned from from crossfit you know both good and bad Learn from CrossFit or learn from people or learn from coaching people in CrossFit? Uh, maybe coaching people in CrossFit. Well, um, main lessons good and bad. 
I think like one of the things that uh, you can probably see looking back on it is uh, if somebody's not training, any fucking type of training is brilliant. You know what I mean? Like that's like anything it, works. Seriously. Like it's like it, it. I mean, what are the statistics, right? You know, the physical activity guidelines for adults, like the, the ones that American body put out every couple of or they update every couple of years. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, two full body resistance training sessions of moderate or greater intensity and like 150 minutes of aerobic activity per week. And like mm-hmm. you survey people and like 30% of people say they're meeting those guidelines. Then you actually strap fitness trackers onto them. And all of a sudden, like 8% of people are meeting those guidelines. Yeah. So it's like 92% of people are doing fuck all from an exercise perspective. Mm-hmm. And there's excellent data that that makes you way more likely to fucking die early and have an unpleasant life on the way up to that. Right. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ. Okay. Maybe you're going to tear your shoulder doing kipping pull-ups, man, but that is so much better than like, yeah. <laughs> Dying of diabetes at the age of 62. That's like, yeah. you know, take the fucking shoulder. I say that to people all the time that like, and in some ways, like you're going to get hurt regardless if you don't do like, any you're exercise. Get, yeah, People have back pain anyway. You, and like, yeah, like shit heals, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, you're going to be, you're going to be in a bit of a heap by the time you're 85 anyway. So you might as well have some <laughs> fucking fun. <laughs> you know? might as well be able to sit up off the toilet. So, like, I would say that's one of the first things that, like, you, you really kind of learn doing all that stuff is, like, you know, you can sit around the rest of your life arguing about, like, you know, that's, uh, you know, you should do this, or you should do that, or you should do the other. And it's like, what do you want to do? You know what I mean? What calls out to you? What's, yeah. like, what really captures your imagination? You know, what do you, what would you find enjoyment and fun and, like, yeah. ongoing engagement doing? And fuck me, man, that's probably what you should be doing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's a... And there's probably some fairly deep reasons for that. You know, like there's uh, there's research to indicate that people who are like, say, for example, more dominant in fast twitch muscle fibers are more naturally drawn to like weight training and like, you know, sure, yeah. Olympic lifting and sprinting and things like that. And people are, you know, more endurance dominant are kind of naturally drawn to, you know, uh, more long duration aerobic activities and all that kind mm-hmm. of shit. Like, you know, like there's probably biological reasons, but there's probably, you know, there's psychological reasons as well. Like whatever the little avatar that's walking around in your head that you don't know about of a fit and healthy person does, you know, that's probably yeah. the sort of thing that you're being drawn to doing. So you're probably going to feel, I don't know, like you're in the right place at the right time when you're doing yeah. that. So, you know, if you're sitting around not training and you're like, oh, you know, what would I like to do? And something pops into your head, just go fucking do that. You know, don't yeah. sit around second guessing it and don't be like, oh, you know, it might be like, you know, more optimal for me to do like, you know, this or this. Because you know, I think people often do this. They like, you know, they end up doing a workout program they don't really like. And they're like, ah, oh, you know, I know I should do this, but, you know, I think mm-hmm. this is better for me. And it's like, it, it, it probably doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like after 50 years, you're probably going to, you know, if you have the, like, you know what I mean? Like even if you're on a really shitty suboptimal weight training program, I think you're still going to make progress eventually. Like over Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay, you could have made that progress 20% faster, but you're going to plateau somewhere anyway. So yeah. you're going to reach that like plateau level five years later than you would have otherwise kind of thing. Yeah. It's just like, do we care? You know, is there, you know, I don't think so. So I would say that's kind of number one. And like, yeah. there's a real, like, I think there's some real value for so many people in like not getting sucked down to one particular thing. And that's something that's so great about CrossFit. It's like, hmm. listen, man, you should probably fucking run. You should probably like step forward and left and, you know, be able to squat on two legs on one leg and you yeah. know, throw things and catch things and fucking push things and pull things and all that sort of stuff and not be like, you know, hey, it's com- it's more optimal for me to just squat, bench, and deadlift four days per week. And that'll build the most muscle mass. So I'm just going to do that. Yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe there'll be a time in your life where you have to move slightly to the left, dude. Like, what's the <laughs> you know that that could occur? Maybe you should be yeah. exposed to that movement pattern. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you know, I think for you know, unless you have like a super specific goal like that, and um, you know, you're probably going to wear yourself out less by having more variety in your life. You know, I think that's good. 
Mm-hmm. I think like the, the the bad flip side of that, because you asked about it, was uh, in the CrossFit world is like the high intensity all the time shit. Yeah. And I don't really know what's practiced on the ground these days anymore, but like I always found it was so fucking hard to get people to actually like train at an appropriate intensity level in any kind of group setting, mm-hmm. uh, particularly if people are in any way competitive and particularly if people have unpredictable lives. You know what I mean? Because like they kind of expect to, and it's, it's so hard for people to understand that lesson, your 100% is going to be very different from one day to the next. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you'd have guys who are like, oh, you know, last time I deadlifted, I did 120. So I wanted to try 130 today. And like 130 doesn't come off the floor. And they're like, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> I was like, well, tell me about the last time you did that. Yeah, I did 120. And you're like, oh, okay, well, it's, it's a big jump, but it's not unreasonable. Yeah. Uh, when was that deadlift? And I was like, oh, it was before I went on holidays. And you're like, I haven't seen you in like six weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went on a holiday. Like, okay. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you, you're like, you're trying to explain to them that, like, okay, well, adaptation and lifting frequency and, like, you know, the technique decays over time and, like, your ability to, like, reproduce this movement pattern is going to go down and, like, you know, psychological factors and you're tired. And they're kind of looking at you going, but, but Jimmy's deadlifting 140. I want to deadlift 140 like Jimmy. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> forget about Jimmy. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. got nothing to do with your training. <laughs> so it's like a, it's a yeah, tough one. Yeah. It's very tough. I, like that was probably one of the biggest hurdles. I worked in a CrossFit gym for uh, four years um, and left there in sort of in the last sort of six to eight months. And that was the, the hardest thing that I found was to communicate that idea to people that like you can't have a great workout every single day that you come into the gym, especially mm-hmm. when you've been doing it for a while. You, you can't just expect to walk in and PR on everything every single time. Like there has to be ebbs and flows to it. You have to start light sometimes and build it up slowly and and be consistent. And the main way that I think that gets screwed up is when people start trying to compete with each other. And I, I feel like that's almost unavoidable just because of the very the very nature of the fact that you're all doing the same work case and it's all done for time or for rounds or whatever. Um, and first, I remember I was coaching a woman one time and. Uh, she was like trying to she wanted to improve her running i think and uh i i was like saying well you know how, how many sort of workouts are you doing per week and trying to figure out the intensity that she's going at and she was like well what do you mean i just go as hard as i can every single time and i was like yeah but you can't you can't do that that's not sustainable for mm-hmm. you know weeks and months at a time and this <laughs> this notion that she might like actually hold back and like pace herself on have like a light hate that don't they yeah have a light day and have a moderate day and have a day that's one where you actually do push like that just kind of like blew her mind and she was kind of like well no i just just go 100 every time and you get better and i'm like well how has that been working out for you you literally haven't gone anywhere in like six months and it's because you keep trying to push yourself into the grant yeah well it's, it's really hard for people because it feels like the right answer you know what i mean exactly like, it's very intuitive yeah well i think that's the you know it strikes me that you're kind of you uh you know, you might be like somebody who kind of uh, thinks about things a bit more logically, uh, which, uh, and it always sounds like an insult to call it to sell somebody else. They're not really thinking about things logically, but like, you got to remember that this is the, the default setting for people is to be paying attention to other shit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there's like, they got 80 things in their life and like, you know, learning about the intricacies of programming running workouts is probably not making it into the top 80. I usually end up saying to people that like, you have to decide what your priority is. It's fine if you just want to come in and get a sweat on and, and, and feel like you're exercising. Cause it's like you say, that gets you, that gets you probably at least 90%, maybe a hundred percent of the way to just being in like that healthy section of the population, but you can't expect to keep on making performance gains beyond that point and not, not, 
put a little bit of thought into things, you know, and mm-hmm. people just kind of have to decide where their priorities are. Yeah, well, I think that's a, you hit that nail on the head there is that like so many people just never go through a formal process to do that. Like, yeah. They never sit down and actually like figure out what the fuck their priorities are and like ever actually like, you know, get down to the level of either talking through or writing down a little chart for themselves just saying, well, like, this is more important than this, which is more important than this, which is mm. more important than this. And like so much so in CrossFit, particularly in a group setting, people are like, oh, there's muscle ups. I really need to get better at muscle ups. And it's like, yeah, well, okay, that's just because muscle ups happened in this workout today, though, and you weren't very good at them. So now you want to you know, spend all your time working yeah. on muscle ups. It's like, you know, a while ago we were talking about how you wanted to lose some fat and fit back into the clothes that you used to wear five years ago and like live a more enjoyable life and have yeah. a extra energy to run around after your kids. And now we're talking about muscle ups. Are you sure you want to change this? It's just, it's just Jimmy's doing muscle ups. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's a very hard thing for people to wrap their head around that you can't, you can't have multiple goals all be the priority at the same time, especially when they they contradict each other. Um, Things a priority, nothing's a priority. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, it's one thing if you're saying like, okay, I want, I want to, uh, I want to gain weight, and I also want to get stronger. Like, those are two goals that can really coincide and complement each other. And especially if you kind of you know block them a little bit or something. But when you have people saying, I want to lose body fat and I want to increase my bench press. Uh, and I want to, you know, uh, set a PB on my 5k runtime and I want to do that all in the next three months. I'm like, right. How many drugs are you taking? Yeah. Well, I see the, one of the problems is they could do that a year ago. Couldn't they? Yeah. It's like when you start yeah, first and your 5k time is 42 minutes and your bench press is 30 kilos and you know, you've got 30% body fat. Absolutely, yeah. man. We're going to make major changes in all three of those all at the same time over the next three months. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be like enough for you to see like large improvements in it's going to be fucking great. But yeah. like. I don't know, like, it's the the driving to two places. You know, if you're in Dublin, you want to drive to fucking Galway and Cork, you can start by just going west and you get closer to both of those. But eventually going west any further will, you know, put you further away from Cork and closer to Galway. Yeah, It's like the the first few steps, you get closer to both of them. But now you got to start picking directions. It's like, you know, know, the closer you get to any target, any one area, same effect. So, yeah, that's uh, that's tricky for people to understand, you know, because it's not, I don't know, it's not intuitive, like a... they, they just don't think most people don't have an experience about that kind of stuff and like they don't think through it uh, ahead of time you know so it's like they have one particular what would you call it framework of what's going to happen and then you know suddenly what they want isn't happening and that's actually very psychologically stressful for people because people don't like having their you know psychological frameworks torn apart in front of their eyes that's <laughs> <laughs> it's actually one of the definitions of what produces stress hormones so it's like <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um i think you kind of have to you have to pick and choose like you know how uh how important is it is it for me to like really you know challenge this person on their beliefs on this or is there a way we can work around this would like with the the people that you you tend to work with is there like um uh a certain kind of types of goals that they tend to be looking for is it mostly people looking to just generally lose a bit of body fat and gain some strength or um I would say in theory, uh, my population is people who used to be in really good shape, who were taken away from it by any of the standard issue bullshit you encounter, you know, after you leave your twenties, you know, like increased family responsibilities and jobs and whatnot. So, you know, it's like folks who used to be that like charging hard, training hard all the fucking time, but now they discover they don't have the time or the recovery capacity to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So they're like, you know, you try and go back and train the way you did in your twenties and it doesn't fucking work. goes great for a couple of weeks. Then you get some kind of bust up and then you, you know, you go back and you go forward and you go back and go forward. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've a, I've a good couple of folks like that. Um, I also have like sports performance people. Um, I train a couple of, uh, Oh, let's see. I end up training a lot of rowers actually. That's uh, really, Oh yeah. Like there's a, 
like strength conditioning in the rowing field, like they, I don't know, it's, it's like it's wide open. Like most of them have never heard of it. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you well, take a rower and add 50% to their deadlift and they're like, oh my God, I roll faster. It's like, yep, tell your friends, come over here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've coached rowers before. I was in a kind of like a university setting. And my experience of that was that they, they, they were very much of that kind of more is better mindset. So there was a loss of having to reel them in and kind of teach them the benefit of quality over quantity. Oh, you rowers um, are insane people, man. Like yeah. You well, I mean, sign up to rowing as hard as you can for like seven or eight minutes. And like, <laughs> or like, I mean, they would, they would frequently do sessions that were just like one to two hours of just sitting on a rowing machine, staring into space, going back and forth and back yeah, yeah, yeah. and forth. Yeah, um, and like if you're in a rowing club, like you got to be up at 5 a.m. and out in the fucking water or like we don't want to know about you kind of thing. It's like, yeah. I'm well, that's the AM session. You know what I mean? Like, just the, <laughs> it's often a PM session too. But yeah, that's yeah. a that's a tough fucking sport, man. It's like one of the cool things about training rowers is you can just tell them to do more or less anything. They'll just go do it. So yeah. that's it. Yeah, they're like, just go, yeah, go over there and deadlift till you pass out. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you find that you yeah. have to reel them back in a little bit more than, than other people you train? Or no? I did a lot of personal variability. You know, yeah, there's a, you see these, uh, like they they often have such fucking vicious aerobic capacity that they can take a lot more as well. So yeah, it's they like, can recover. You know, they're, they're less adapted. You know, they're often less adapted to weight training, but like they're just so aerobically fit, they recover very fast between sets and they recover very fast between sessions. Yeah. So yeah, you can often uh, you can often give them a lot more than you would like. But anyway, it's a this I mean, like individual differences apply, of course. But like uh, I think because I I tend to work with so many folks that are like over thirty, over thirty five kind of thing. That like you know everybody ends up with like lots of competing responsibilities. So it's like a lot of training sessions are quite naturally hey i was exhausted today because i was up all night you know giving cow ball to my feverish child and whatnot and i'm you know <laughs> slept yeah. three hours kind of thing <laughs> you know it's like it's intuitively obvious to pull back a little bit in days like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? so i think as you as you get older you're you're forced to have to start training more intelligently because recovery becomes such a priority whereas when you're kind of in your late teens early 20s you can just train like an idiot and you'll, you'll probably recover okay yeah, the chip was fun, all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all those those days that created all of those pains and niggles that I'm paying for now. Did you ever do that, dude? Do you remember that fucking crossfit workout that was like AMRAP 20 minutes of like three weighted pull-ups with a 20 kilo dumbbell, and then you're supposed to stay in the bar and drop the dumbbell and then do five strict pull-ups and then do seven kipping pull-ups and try and complete as many rounds? I don't think so, could. because I, I was like by far the movement that I sucked at the most for for a long time and I'm still pretty poor at now is pull-ups like I've never yeah. done more than 14 pull-ups in a row um okay. I think I've done like a one rep max pull-up with maybe like 32 kilos attached to my waist but I I wouldn't have been anywhere near good enough of pull-ups to be able to do anything like that back then so have you ever uh, done enough pull-up volume in a workout where you get that thing where you wake up in the morning and there's like these two lumps under your fucking duvet and you're like what the fuck is this and it's like <laughs> And it's like your bicep tendon has swollen up so much that your arm is locked at 90 degrees and you can't straighten it. <laughs> Thankfully, no. You never had that one? That's no. Nice. So, like, I'd get that, like, four or five times a year. <laughs> you know? Really? Like, just yeah, randomly? Yeah, yeah. Even, even no, when you oh, have not, 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 not randomly at all. No, you'd, you'd suddenly do a workout that had, like, 500 okay. reps of pull-ups in it, you know, and you're, like, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, yeah, that was cool. And you go out yeah. a few beers and you wake up the next morning, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with my arms? Yeah. <laughs> I think I dragged so much I broke my elbow, man. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, that was training in your 20s, though. That was, uh, yeah, so it turns out that, like, I don't know if you know, like, when your arm is totally straight, your elbow joint is slightly closed down. And when your yeah. arm is uh, completely bent, your elbow joint is also sort of restricted. So the maximum space that can be created in your elbow joint is at, like, you know, 90 degrees. 
So when your bicep tendons are all swollen into pieces, your arm just gets pushed into that position. You can't get it out of it because yeah. there's no more space to go straight arm and no more space to go bent arm. So it's like, you, know, you, <laughs> you don't have to cup a coffee up to your face and the whole fucking thing cramps. You have to push your arm back. Yeah, I think I think I had a similar thing happen uh, the first time that I properly trained arms because uh, when I started off training in school, we actually didn't do any bodybuilding type of stuff because our coach was having us do very CrossFit type workouts. So, oh, yeah. you know, curls were just not on the menu and the first no. time that i ever well, did bicep bicep curls, course, yeah. yeah the first time i ever did bicep curls was uh when i was in college and i went okay. into the gym and i was like yeah i'm gonna give this a go i don't think i did anything more than maybe three or four sets of curls and uh to this day it's the worst doms i have ever had in my life i couldn't bend my arms uh more than a few degrees for the the first day after that and oh, that there you go. Was, yeah. But that's a pretty big hindrance when you're going around college trying to pick up books and your bag and open doors and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah. Well, that there you the go. The bicep curl isn't functional. You weren't able to function. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, I think I have an idea of, of what that that sort of sensation feels like. But, yeah, I think you definitely need to. I've noticed that with um, coaching like people who are a good bit older, like people in their 60s and their 70s. Like um, You really just have to have a good sense of like what is the the – the, the optimal dose, if you will, or the, the minimum effective dose rather, uh, to kind of get them get them going and not have them in pain from uh you know the the whole muscle soreness for two or three days in a row. I think that's one of the things that's really just become like so much more obvious over the last like certainly the last five years. It's just like how far away from like muscle failure you can actually train and still make progress and things like you know mm. strength and hypertrophy and all that kind of stuff particularly for folks who are like you know coming from further back kind of thing and so, yeah like the whole like that was probably one of the most harmful things about uh, i don't know do i want to call it harmful one of the most wrong things at least about uh you know a lot of training methodologies from like you know 10 years ago where it's like you know go as hard as you can grind yeah. out your five rep max squat rest eight minutes get up and grind out another set of five rep max squats yeah. If you're not doing that, you're a fucking pussy. Don't come to the yeah. gym and tell me you care about your goals. It's like, <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, the research seems to indicate that you'll get like 5% stronger over like 24 weeks by doing that versus like leaving a rep or two in reserve. So it's like, yeah, okay. You know, like elite levels of competition, like margins of victory are like half a percent and shit. So that, that 5% is probably worth quite a lot to you, but like, mm -hmm. fucking man, everybody else is going to be fine. Like you could, <laughs> you could leave a rep or two in the table. It's probably going to be okay. <laughs> Especially if you're like I only it took me a long time to realize the importance of uh, of sleep and nutrition and I mean it was one of those things where I feel like everybody is like oh yeah sleep and nutrition of course that's really important but I don't think that people actually understand how monumental a difference it makes until you actually start properly paying attention to it and you mm -hmm. feel the difference in how much easier training is when you go from getting like six hours of sleep a night to eight hours of sleep a night. I mean, you go yeah. from only getting like 60 grams of protein a day to getting over 100 grams of protein a day and actually eating like some fruit and vegetables at each meal. And uh, I mean, I did that a few years ago and within the space of a year, I went from thinking I was like kind of tapped out on my squats to adding 30 kilos over the space of a year. Mm -hmm. And I definitely was not training any harder because I was training very hard to try to get like an extra two or five kilos on there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you get used to whatever you're used to, don't you? So yeah. I mean, if you sleep for six hours per night and you do that for ten years, like you just assume that's what you feel like, and that's yeah. that's just how it is. So I mean, what the fuck are we even talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't life just suck for everybody? 
<laughs> yeah, you need like 20 cups of coffee in like half an hour to get out of bed in the morning. And that's, that's just normal. Yeah. Like, look, I, I, I see all these other people who are like that too. Mm-hmm. It's like, there you go. But yeah, like the, yeah, makes a big difference, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Monumental. Um, the, the next thing I wanted to ask you, and maybe you've already uh, touched on this, but um, with the, the people that you work with, I know you're saying that they've, they've done the fitness thing to some capacity beforehand. What would you tend to see as the biggest mistakes that people are making? Like what's, what's the main change that you feel like you need to make to people when they come in and they tell you what they've been doing? God, it's quite variable, you know, like the, yeah, look, I, I think I started saying that like my default client avatar is somebody like that, but you know, obviously like people refer their like spouses to you and like, you know, their yes. friends and like, you know, then you just said, uh, so I've got, a, you know, I've got a, my clients kind of span the map kind of thing from like, mm. uh, you know, people in their sixties who've never trained before that are kind of like, that are starting into it now. Uh, I've got a couple of those in the cards right now. I've got like, uh, you asked me, was I still training CrossFitters? I'm currently training one guy who's uh, doing the CrossFit Open. We're doing some individual programming for him and oh, cool. uh, rolling along with that. So like, I, I really have a pretty broad spectrum of uh, folks in there. But uh, so, but most common, uh, most common thing you have to do with people, I mean, I would say one of them is just kind of getting people to understand that uh, this shit is gradual. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that you don't have to just jump into some fucking massive thing on day one. And yeah. that's probably actually not very helpful because the further away from your current habitual like activity this shit is, the harder it's going to be psychologically for you to maintain this. And it's like, I think, you know, by the time somebody reaches out to a coach, they're at a point where they're like, fuck this. I have this thing in my life. I don't like whatever the fuck it is. You know, it's my belly. It's my sore knee. It's my, you know, mm-hmm. fact that I can't, you know, do 2K in seven minutes anymore. There's some fucking thing that's really been eating at them for a long time. Yeah. And they're like, tap, 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 tap. Fix this shit now, please. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, uh, you know, here's the expected time frame and all that. And they're like, you know, give me everything. I want to eat egg whites and broccoli for breakfast, training six times a day. You know, I'm going to track every calorie, weigh myself yeah. every day. And that's genuinely, truly how they feel in that moment, right? You know what I mean? They're at a state of like peak motivation and they're mm-hmm. like, this this painful thing has become, it's taken over my life and fuck it, I want it gone. And, but it's like, what's going to happen is in four or five weeks when the volume on that gets turned down 8% by the fact you've made some progress on it, it's not going to be this painful thing that's taking over your life. You're not going to be happy with it yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? That like, that fuck this motivation is going to be down a little bit and some other bullshit is going to get turned up. You know, you you're going to get busy. There's some fucking project at work when your kids are going to get sick, something like that's going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, if you have this insane plan that can only be done in states of peak motivation, you know, once your motivation wavers 2%, there you go. Or like if yes. something else rises up, becomes 2% more important. That's it. The whole thing is fucked because, you know, particularly if you have it in your head that this is what I have to do in order to make progress. So, you know, if I can convince you that actually you can make progress on 30% of that. Now, sure. We're going to have weeks where we do like 70% of that and 80% of that. But like we can fall back to 30% of what you're talking about right now. And you're still mm-hmm. going to be on the path towards your goal. Yes. And like, you know, positive improvement plus time means you will fucking get there. So, you yeah. know, we're not on like an eight week deadline here. You're not stepping on stage in a little purple underwear or anything. Exactly <laughs> some stage. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, we said your goal is to, you know, get to the point where you're like a fit, healthy 90 year old who drops dead all of a sudden rather than spending 10 years dying. So, okay, good. We're, you know, we're going to do this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think if you, it, the, as long as you can help people understand that uh, you can actually make progress doing very fucking little, as long as you are consistently doing very fucking little and you never actually come to a complete stop, mm, uh, mm. that is yeah. really, really helpful to get across to people. And of course, you know, it's, you know, I go back and forth between this about thinking that like, you know, most marketers in the fitness industry are just like evil, terrible people, or they're just responding very strongly to market forces. I mean, it's it's, it's mostly just incentives, I think, but like, obviously, like, yeah. 
because most people are in a place of like, I need this solved immediately. Most marketing revolves around 28 days to this and six weeks to that and whatnot, because of course that's, you know, what are people trying to do? They're trying to meet people mm-hmm. where they're at. You know, you're looking for 28 day solutions. I'm going to market you a 28 day solution. Here you go. And it's like, you know, if you sell a thousand programs and, you know, 990 of your people drop out and 10 of them, you know, make incredible changes in 28 days, <laughs> you know, you, you can get those before 10 and after photos. Yeah, right. I'm only going to post the 10 before and yeah. after photos. I'm not going to post the 990 people who like, you know, just yeah. fucked off and didn't do anything. So it's like, it's an interesting one because I've, I've talked to people who take that approach with marketing and I suppose the main excuse i'll hear for it is well i'm just meeting people where they're at you know you're, you're not realistically going to get anybody in the door if you tell them that it's going to take longer than a few months and um well here's the thing isn't it if everybody stopped doing that you would but yeah as long as somebody's yeah. doing it <laughs> exactly and my, my thoughts on that are that i think in in the in the first the first place you're going to be attracting people who aren't going to be interested in doing this for multiple months you're immediately attracting people who want to believe that it can be done in six or eight weeks or whatever. So the idea that you're going to then get that person in and then after the first couple of sessions be like, oh, by the way, this isn't going to happen in six, eight weeks. This is going to take like, you know, lifelong changes and and, and a long-term commitment. I don't think that's going to work really. Um, And I don't know. I just, I just think there's something a little bit ethically reprehensible about that like i just i just feel like you can you can meet people halfway but you know still you know tell the truth to a certain degree and and jazz things up a little bit but like i I just i think that uh a lot of the people that i guess come from having done similar programs like that and they're left very disillusioned with the whole idea because they're left thinking like well if i couldn't do it in six or eight weeks then obviously i'm a failure yeah, well, sure. Like, you know, and this is one of the things, one of the other things that caused me to go back and forth on it is because there are these, uh, you know, like, I think you're exactly right. If you got your messaging right, I don't think there's anything wrong with a 28 day program. You know what I mean? If you had like a 28 day reintroduction program where like, we're going to set you up with like a template that you're going to run by yourself and yeah. you know, carry on afterwards. And uh, there you go. Wasn't it nice working together for these 28 days? Hope you, mm. you know, take this knowledge into the future. You know, if you said like, okay, you're going to lose like, a half a pound to one pound of actual fat per week. And you're going to lose like a certain amount of water, particularly if you like manipulate your carbohydrate intake and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like as long as you're just very open and honest about your, uh, about your results. But you know, if you had like, you know, that shit people do where it's like you had one guy in your program who was 400 pounds and he reduced his body weight by 10%. So yeah. he lost 40 pounds. <laughs> he goes, lose up to 40 pounds on my 28 day program. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. We don't mention that you have to be 400 pounds. In order to lose 40 pounds. <laughs> just, <laughs> like, just get really fat before you come in. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. There's obviously, is there anything necessarily wrong with a 28 day fitness product? Of course, fucking not. You know, you could do a million one of those that are like, you know, that are 100% legit. And it, indeed, our friends who do them as well. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see a damn thing wrong with what they're doing. But, you know, it's like they, you know, there's, there's so much misleading shit that you can do. And it's like, nah. But yeah, on the other side, like they create customers for people who want to do like long term fitness shit. You know what I mean? Mm. This is like, you know, you just wait a little bit longer. And you know, <laughs> I'm just going to let you show people what they shouldn't do. so that Right. They- I mean, this year you're going to buy the six-week bullshit, but next year you're going to be clicking on my stuff when I'm talking about like lifelong fitness. And like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I can wait. You know what I mean? yeah. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. That is another way of looking at it, to be sure. <laughs> Maybe you need to go prove to yourself that this isn't a 28-day and a six-week thing a couple of times first, and then we can talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't and just take my ways- word for it. 
Yeah, in many ways, it's true. Like, I mean, we were talking about at the start, how like I thought that I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach working with sports teams. <laughs> there was literally nothing that you or anybody who had been in the fitness game for a while would have said to me that was going to dissuade me from oh, that. I, I had to I go, go and now. try that out for myself, you know? Nah, nah. We, I think now we do, I do a much better job explaining it to you. You see, like, the, that was a, I think that was, you asked me about things you learned from CrossFit as well. It's like, a, and this is something that I learned, really learned many, many times, is like, <laughs> people are not rational, logical creatures. No. Uh, we're really not. Um, but the nasty thing is that our brains create the illusion that we are, right? Mm. So we walk around living in this fantasy land that like we're making our own decisions and thinking our own thoughts. But we're not. <laughs> you know, like that's, uh, mostly we're running our habitual programs and responding to our emotions and responding to our preconceived ideas about things. And uh, yeah, you don't really reach somebody who, you don't reach across the aisle with facts and logic by themselves, right? No. So I could, you know, if I sat there and told like 18 year old kill or probably 20 at the time or something like that. or Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I'm not going to reach you by saying, hey, you know, here's the statistics for, you know, the number of people that get into strength and conditioning coaching uh, who are still there like, you know, a year later. Yeah. You're just thinking, I'm, I'm going to be point when I'm going to be part of that 0.1%. Like, fuck this. Really? <laughs> I, I was watching like these motivational videos on YouTube that those other 99% just weren't working hard enough. Yeah, of course. Well, that's probably also true, but that's, you know, like maybe it wasn't worth a candle either. Yeah. But like, you know, you know, Chip and Dan Heat stuff about this, about like appealing to people emotionally and logically at the same time and all that. Kind of, do you know this book? Uh, What's it? You read Switch? Switch? No, I've heard of it though. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like they, uh, so like, and like marketers will tell you this shit all the time, that like, uh, uh, if you can reach somebody emotionally, they'll actually start. the story about you know jim i'm sorry you uh, you put out for a few seconds there you were saying if you reach somebody emotionally and then you put out yeah sure like so if i sit down to you and say hey kill that's a bad idea for the following six reasons you'll go okay fuck you will (laughs) 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 if i sat down and said hey you know let me tell you about my friend jim uh so jim you know he was kind of like you he was like he was really into this idea of coaching teams and strength and and whatnot and he had all these dreams of this and he was concerned about this and uh you know, he went in there and he just felt really hopeful. And, the, you know, he got detached that daily grind. He was getting up, mm-hmm. you know, broken at six o'clock every morning and training these guys who were like fighting with him about they should be on low carb diets. And, yeah. and, you know, James spent all this time researching about glycogen replenishment and how relevant it is to athletic endeavors. Uh-huh. And, you know, he had to just shut up and like take it on the chin because this guy in the team was really popular and he was into the keto diet at the time. Mm-hmm. And he just felt so small and like his entire education had been wasted and that he was like, <laughs> You know, if I could get you to kind of... I'm starting to feel bad just listening to this. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, like, you know, of course, your natural empathy is going to... You know, you're going to put yourself there a little bit more. You're like, oh, fuck, I wouldn't like that to happen. You've told a story, which people relate to more. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's that's how we extract information that, you know... Like, we don't listen to fucking facts. and Like, you know, if if I told you four, like, what is... uh, I heard somebody say before, like, if I gave you four random numbers and, uh, you know, asked you to tell them back to me in, like, six months' time... The likelihood you do it is pretty fucking small. But if I asked you to name all four members of the Beatles, you're, you're going to be able to do that. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's the same. It's four bits of information. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not a storage issue. It's like yeah. you just store different shit preferentially and process different shit preferentially. Yeah, so very like, true. You can reach people much more easily with stories and descriptions of emotions and how you felt and how other people felt because people tune into that. Mm. We've been doing that for millions of fucking years, you know, well, or I don't know, however long language has been around, you know, which is probably yeah. quite long if you're deterred, you know, but the, uh, yeah, like you're talking about how you felt and like what problems you had and like, you know, what you encountered and what dangers you, that occurred and all that kind of shit. Like people really tune into that. 
because yeah. that was how you avoided getting eaten by tigers a million years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you a story about what happened over that next hill. You know, I'm fucking not going over there. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, and like two or three hundred years ago, some fucking asshole invents something called logic and starts expecting everybody to use it now. It's like, nope, that's not what your brain's set up for. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a little bit behind the evolutionary game there. Yeah, well, I mean, we wouldn't have a thing called logic if it was something that we just did naturally. It would just be yeah. called thinking you know, or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't like after you've kind of got somebody emotionally, now you can start giving them the logical bullshit and you can start mm -hmm. telling them about the numbers and the facts and the figures and the plan and whatnot. And you can start bringing them to, you know, kind of a brighter future point. But like, yeah, you got to cross that gap first. Of like, yeah, you know, we're not we're not there yet. You know, if you're not uh, like you, we spend most of our time reacting to our feelings and then we decide logically afterwards what to do, you know, if at all. Yeah, <laughs> or even worse, we write it backwards after the fact. That's a fun one too. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I think there, there is a, a really, um, there's a real, almost uh, sort of false marketing. I don't know how to describe it, but basically, what I'm trying to say is, you know, I went to college for health performance science. Um, and I know people who've done other types of education, whether it's personal training certs or whatever. And, uh, yeah, it, they really, it's just not really communicated, uh, how many obstacles there are to, to actually staying in that as a job in the long term. Like I, I've over the past sort of five plus years that I've been doing this, seen multiple people that I know who are very enthusiastic at the start, just gradually start to drop off. Um, because they've just realized that, you know, it's tough and it might not be for them or, you know, what are your thoughts on that? What, like the attrition and people not being told about that at the outset? Or... Sorry, you, you broke up there. What did you say? Oh, sorry. Yeah, what are my thoughts on, like, I don't know, people not being kind of told at the outset that there's an incredible rate of attrition and there's... Uh... Yeah, I, I suppose just your your general thoughts on like, you know, what I, there might be some people listening to this who are thinking of becoming coaches or personal trainers or whatever. And, you know, what do you think would be oh, the okay. things you would have wanted someone to have said to you before getting into it? Because it definitely does have a very high burnout rate, whether you're working in strength and conditioning or personal training. I mean, the sickening thing about fitness is it's, you know, your success is not very tied to how good you are at fitness. Yeah. And it's much more tied to how good you are at behavioral change, psychology and marketing. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like if you, cause your, your job isn't to know everything about fucking the forces across your knee during a correctly loaded back squat. Right. Yeah. Your job is to help people change their behavior. And then after that, your job is to tell everybody about the fact that you're really good at helping people change their behavior and you know, show them all the great results that you got from doing it yeah. so that they feel confident in trusting you to help them change their behavior. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, I mean, how much information do most fitness courses contain about that? You know, they like most, uh, you know, yeah, right. Because like when you're aspiring fitness coaches have already made the decision to change their behavior and they're like, they're highly highly motivated to do that. So of course, mm. what's missing for them is technical knowledge and technical know-how. Uh, so, you know, you already have the motivation and the decision and you've made the space in your life and you're committed to changing. So what the fuck do you need? You need a better plan. You need more knowledge about how to program and how to reach the goal that you've already made yeah. the decision that you're, you know, uh, chasing it to the exclusion of probably quite a lot of other things in your life. So it's like, it's hard in that position to be empathetic for somebody who is still kind of wavering about their, uh, 
about their decisions and about, you know, where their priorities actually lie. And like, yeah. you know, just how much of my health is it worth sacrificing in order to get this next promotion and be able to actually buy a house and house my children in? Yeah. Probably more than zero. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I know you think the most important thing in the world right now is making sure there aren't any fucking lectins in the, uh, you know, the, <laughs> in the beans that you're putting in your salad. <laughs> <Just Yeah>. like, <laughs> I've got a different set of priorities here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a, uh, so it's, yeah, so like, I would say that's a, that's a really huge thing that's missing for most fitness qualifications is like, you know, somebody standing up and saying, hey, listen, you know, this, uh, once you're like, I don't know, like, there's, a, there's such a diminishing return of expertise, you know what I mean? It's like, you're never you going to have to use most of it with the average person. Well, I think you will eventually, probably with most of it, if you go through enough clients and, uh, yeah. you know, if you meet enough people in enough different situations over enough years, you'll probably use a snippet of most of what you know at some point somewhere along the way yeah uh, but you certainly will not use it with one client yeah. you know what i mean like to get mary to you know uh, get her goblet squat from like zero kilos up to like 15 kilos and get her to the point where her hip doesn't hurt anymore like you know how much of your squatting knowledge is that going to take like yeah approximately zero it's yeah. going to take an awful lot of like your you know ability to help her set goals and track things and like reassure yeah. her and yeah yeah, stay on top of things and like, you know, understand how to like, you know, like we are talking about earlier, let things kind of be heavier and lighter and all that kind of, you know, that uh, yeah. do more when you're, uh, when you have the space, do less when you don't and don't be beating yourself up. You eat a fucking spoon of ice cream. You know, it's like everybody does yeah. that. It's fine. It's like, you know, like the... <laughs> yeah. So um, I think you had so many people like the, that's, that's really not emphasized a lot, I think. And it's, it's not, uh, I think it's not intuitively obvious to fitness. It's not obvious to people in an educational setting, I think at all, because like, yeah, if you're in academia, like you were so insulated from, you know, things like marketing and customer acquisition that like, it's, mm. you know, you read about it. Right. But like, that's yeah. not. <laughs> and I see, uh, I see multiple guys on yachts trying to um, market uh, business mentorships to me on my Instagram feed. So. <laughs> yeah yeah let's see you got a receipt for that yacht motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure this was clipped right before the guy who actually owns it started shouting at him was like are you fucking filming instagram videos again on there no joke i knew a uh, guy who was doing uh, business coaching about five years ago who lived with his mom what's <laughs> yeah well this is the thing it's very i i uh i feel like um somebody who's trying to find, you know, a fitness coach who knows what they're talking about. And I've got no idea how to disseminate it. And I see these guys and they're like, do my business mentorship. And I'm like, how do I know you're not completely full of shit? Here's one for you. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. You know what I mean? Like, do you need Warren Buffett to be your business coach? Mm. Probably not. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, either you probably need somebody who's like, you know, fucking three chapters or more ahead of you uh, who can actually yeah. like connect with you where the fuck you are and help you take the step to get to, you know, one more chapter along the way kind of thing. Yeah. So it's like, you know, there's probably all kinds of shit you could learn from, you know, all kinds of people. Uh, now, whether or not it's worth the entry fee of the $24,000 to their exclusive VIP mastermind, I don't know. That's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might learn something, but maybe you won't learn 24 grand worth of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's definitely a pricing issue there, you know. <laughs> it's like the personal trainer who tacks on the uh, hundred euro supplements to your fat burning program. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a tricky one. Yeah, that's a it always pisses me off. People don't write books anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like you know, okay, you're selling me this seven thousand euro course, man. You could have put this in a thirty dollar book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need if I need. I'm not, not sure if I need the seven grand upsell for to talk to you on Skype once a week about your dog. You know, it's like yeah. <laughs> 
yeah they love they love the uh the online seminars um but yeah no like i've done i've done plenty of business coaching courses over the years uh some of them were great some of them were medium some of them were terrible uh mm. just like yeah it's variability there like there is a trainers and fucking architects and everything else i guess you know this uh yeah but yeah you're dead right there's an explosion of architects all over youtube uh you know posing on yachts that they've designed and trick it lead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's i think when new industries appear there's always a bit of a wild west phase first and then they you know they kind of settle down over time is yeah we're definitely in that phase especially yeah. with like, online coaching and stuff like that um yeah so uh coming towards the end one of the last things i wanted to ask you about i try to ask this to any of the coaches that i have on because i think that it's um always an interesting insight is what would you think would be the the biggest thing that you've changed your mind on recently in the the realm of training um anything that you've just maybe done like a complete 180 on that you kind of held as like a core belief for a long time I think 180s uh, for me happen slowly enough that they don't look like 180s at the time. You know what I mean? Like mm. I, I kind of turn you know, a lot of stuff. I turn five degrees at a time, and uh, you know, after a couple of years, I'm like, yep, yeah. now I'm at a complete 180. Because, like we were uh, saying earlier, it's it's very hard to you know have yeah. someone just completely shatter their philosophy and start yeah. over again. Okay, um, a fairly obvious one. Uh, reading Herman Panzer's work about the constrained energy model that like totally blew like everything I thought I knew about uh, you know energy expenditure at the fucking door. Are okay. you familiar with that stuff? Or? I'm not. No, I'd be interested to hear. Oh, okay, cool. Well, um, well, here's one for you. If you were to find a highly accurate may- way of measuring exactly how many calories that uh, somebody sitting on their ass in an office in New York who weighed 90 kilos was expending every day, mm-hmm. and how many calories a you know a bushman in Africa who was on his feet and hunting lions every day uh, who weighed the same was expending, what would you expect in terms of energy expenditure from each of them? Well, you would you would expect the person who's more active is going to be burning more calories, mm, right? Uh, a lot more, a little bit more. Or... You would say a lot more. <laughs> yeah, and you'd be wrong, afraid. <laughs> you probably knew by the way I was asking that shit. Yeah, but like the uh, so do you know have you heard of W? Have you heard of doubly labeled water? W labeled water. Doubly labeled, as in two times. No. Okay, right. So like years ago, right, the only way you could measure people's energy expenditure, there was a couple of ways of doing it. Uh, during like aerobic activity and such, you put the big mask on people and you'd measure mm-hmm. how much oxygen was coming in and how much carbon dioxide was going out. Yeah. And you could use that plus like, you know, assumptions to uh, calculate the rate of energy expenditure. You could also do uh, metabolic ward studies, which uh, were in- it would involve putting you in this uh, sealed chamber where you'd monitor yeah. how much air was going in and how much carbon dioxide was going out and all that. And yes. monitor your yeah. changes in body weight and waste excretion and all that. And, you know, it's like whatever it costs, like 18 grand an hour to have somebody in there and shit. Yeah. So what happened when uh, the early research was being done on trying to calculate how much energy people were using was we do things like, okay, I put the little mask on you and I measure how much energy you expend when you're sitting in your chair. And I say, cool, that's that. And then I measure you while you're running and I say, okay, cool, that's that. Mm-hmm. And then I measure you while you're sleeping and then we say, okay, that's that. And then I go, well, cool. Well, logically that added to that, added to that, added to that must be your daily total energy expenditure. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then what happened is uh, people came up with this clever way of putting particular isotopes of hydrogen into water and uh, we could have you drink that and then we could come back in a week and then we could look at your urine and we could see uh, how many of those isotopes we could still find hanging around in there mm-hmm. and we could actually calculate energy expenditure over a period of time we i can't do it but uh, people yeah. can do it <laughs> we as the human race <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i'll proudly claim uh, <laughs> claim kinship with the people who came up with this uh, for yeah, each other yeah. But yeah, so researchers were able to actually kind of say, okay, here's your energy expenditure over a week. And it was, uh, you know, it's not cheap. It's like, you know, 
thousands of euros per week to do this, but it's way better than like the metabolic ward stuff. Mm. So what happens when they started doing this on like free living people was uh, they discovered uh, that the energy equations didn't add up basically. So like, right. you know, we sit around, the old, you know, like every calculator, you, you own my fitness pal, calculate my energy. I did this many minutes of this, this many minutes of this, this many minutes of sitting on my ass. Cool. Yeah. You're going to need three and a half thousand calories. It's like, that shit's all bollocks. It's like, it's, yeah. all, it's completely. I've, I've never utilized it myself. I've always just kind of gone off. Is my body weight going down as I'm eating these calories? Hmm. Well, yeah, unfortunately it's wrong for much deeper reasons than, uh, than we thought it was wrong. Uh, okay. Because uh, what happens is uh, there's all sorts of little processes that happen in your body to compensate for energy expenditure uh, when it gets high, right? Mm. And this is uh, all mammals actually do, well, maybe all animals, I can't remember, but certainly all mammals do this. So we have this thing called a constrained limit, which is like the maximum amount of energy that we can metabolize per day, which is based on like our body size uh, kind of thing. So obviously it's higher for a hundred kilo person than it is for 60 kilo person. But let's say your constrained limit is like, I don't know, 4,000 calories per day at your body weight and your general size and such. Uh -huh. uh, what will happen to you is if you keep pushing your activity up and up and up, you don't go to expending 4,500 calories and 5,000 calories and 6,000 calories per day. What happens is your body starts chopping uh, energy expenditure off other metabolic processes to keep you within this constrained limit. Uh, so chiefly, it'll start changing the amount of inflammation you produce, which is very energy uh, expensive, and it'll start changing the amount of reproductive hormones that you produce and whatnot. But then it'll also start doing other stuff as well, like, you know, uh, you know, if you try to add more deliberate physical activity, there's other mechanisms like reducing like non-exercise activity, like you fidget less and you walk around your house less and all that kind of shit. Interesting. So basically, um, if you go from like totally, the take home is if you go from totally sedentary to moving a little bit, um, you know, like you, you go from like lying down all day to adding 500 calories walking into your day you do actually increase your total energy expenditure in a principal degree, but the more active you get, the less your actual total energy expenditure actually increases in practice, right? And this, and like, uh, not to interrupt you, this would explain that phenomenon of the, the guy who runs, you know, multiple five or 10K runs a week and is seemingly quite, you know, running fifth, but still has a belly. Um, assuming, assuming he's taking in the same amount of calories, you know, roughly most days. Well, it would it would explain why his calculations might be off. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, obviously, like he's uh, if he's still got a bunch of body fat stores that aren't going anywhere, it means his calorie yeah. intake is higher than his expenditure. Yeah. But like, if he was uh, if he was basing that on like a my fitness pal calculator or something, yeah. where it says, "Cool, I'm running 15k per day, therefore my energy expenditure is 6,000 calories per day, therefore I can mm. eat 5,000 calories per day." Yeah. You know, that 6,000 calories per day total energy expenditure is totally wrong because it's not mm. including the energy compensation calculations. Right. So these get bigger and bigger as you get closer to your constrained limit. But like typically it's like 30%, right? Mm. Uh, so like if you do, you know, you as a reasonably active person who's not like just lying down all day, if you do 600 calories more activity per day, typically your body's going to compensate like about 30% of those calories bare minimum uh, over the course of the next like 24, 48 hours to keep your energy expenditure within these limits. And uh, yeah, that's a, uh, so like, the, the previous model was called the additive energy model, where we just add up all your energy expenditure over the course of the day. Mm. But yeah, ever since the uh, W-labeled water research uh, was started getting kind of published and confirmed more and more, it's uh, become clear that that was totally fucking wrong. So that's about the most recent complete 180 I've done about something. Uh, that's, uh, that's, you know, the data changes. I'm going to change my mind. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's, uh, if you haven't, yeah, if you're not familiar with this, uh, check out Burn by Herman Ponzer. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, B-U-R-N. Um, cool story as well. Like, yeah, he spent a lot of time living with, uh, what was the tribe called? The Hadza. Uh, they're a hunter-gatherer tribe in Africa. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of fun stories in there. Like, they, they walk all day, basically, mm. just everywhere. So they, they measure distance in terms of how long it takes to walk to somewhere. So he's from, like, Los Angeles or something. He's in deepest, darkest Africa. And, like, somebody asked him, how long would it take to walk to your house from here? And he's like, well, you got a couple of problems with that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, 
they, they didn't have a full idea of the geographical location. Well, also, as he kind of went on to explain in the book, they have a real different kind of approach to time and whatnot. Because, like, they don't, you know, if you told these guys that it took you nine months to walk somewhere, they'd be like, all right, we'll give it a go. I wouldn't bother them too much. It's like, okay, I'll see you guys in like 18 months or something. I'm going to go over here and check it out and come back again. <laughs> Definitely different to most people's uh, maybe instant gratification ideas. Yeah, yeah. Instant gratification isn't really a thing when you're, uh, you know, you're just waking up when it gets bright and you're going to bed and it gets dark and you're fighting yeah. with lions for your dinner occasionally <laughs> and that kind of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so that's different. That's interesting. I'll definitely uh, take a look at that, that Herman Posner stuff. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to ask you, you, you can um, take two parts to this if, if you want. So just asking really what's kind of one big piece of advice you could give to your younger self starting off. And that could maybe be, that could be training and, you know, business slash coaching or, or just one or whatever you want to take on that. Mm, okay. Well, I could do two of those. Yeah. I would yeah. say if I was giving myself training advice when I was younger, um, I would tell myself to settle the fuck down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the same here. Definitely. Like, you know, you, you, you there's, there's no dragon to kill, dude. You know, it's it's fine. You know, you, you don't have to slaughter yourself in every fucking session. You know, like you can <laughs> mm -hmm. play the long game here a little bit. It's going to take you 25 years to get your maximum strength potential. So, you know, yeah. this workout, you don't necessarily have to, you know, vomit at the end of. <laughs> that doesn't have to be every day of your life. Because, yeah. you know, guess what? That is going to get old after six years of vomiting after every fucking workout. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Somehow I've never thrown up after a workout, but I think that's kind of an individual thing. Oh, I had, I've been euphemistic. Yeah. That's a, yeah. The only time I've thrown up after workouts were related to food that I'd eaten beforehand, not the actual workout. <laughs> yeah. The early days of when you were sitting in kebabs, maybe. <laughs> no, 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 it was a it's terrible scrambled eggs in the hotel before one of the European uh, regions actually it was one of the occasions. <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to imagine. You can edit that part out, I guess. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but it flips. Flip side of that advice is I would have told myself to go fuck myself and continue grinding out five rep max squats though. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> you should have told your, your younger self a story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I might've done that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay. So that's, that's training. And that's obviously a, a very common one I've, I've had people say, um, mm -hmm. and then maybe more in terms of like business for coaching. Oh yeah. Well, we covered it already, right? Your job yeah. isn't teaching people to squat. Your job is helping people change their behavior. So right, like exactly, yeah. stop fucking obsessing about how to squat and start, you know, helping your clients actually change things about their lives and yeah. you will do a fuck ton better. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've realized that more as I've gone on that, uh, you know, just getting people to stick with it is the hardest thing because most people, you know, even if they're at the, the peak of their motivation in January or whatever, they're only going to show up for a few weeks. I think it's something like, now I think these are us stats, but I think it was like, only like maybe somewhere between 15 to 20 percent of uh, gym memberships actually get used regularly um, mm -hmm. even though people will kind of keep them floating there as you know monthly subscriptions um same idea you might keep like the netflix subscription even if you're not watching us because there's only a small amount of money coming out but yeah right you want to be able to you want to be able to go tomorrow and not have to rejoin the fucking thing and whatnot yeah and you want to you want to keep the dream alive in your head as well once you cancel it you've kind of admitted defeat yeah, so here's what I don't know about those statistics, though, right? So just because only 15% of people are regularly using their gym membership, I don't mm. know that that means that the other ones aren't working out. Like maybe I started going for runs in the morning because it doesn't suit me to go to the gym anymore. You sure. Know? So like, yeah. Like I think we look to the, we look at those statistics sometimes. And we think, oh yeah, people are just back to sitting in their asses. It's yeah. Like I don't know how many of them are like, you know, doing some sit-ups and push-ups at home before they go to work for this the next couple of weeks, you know, because they're really busy and the. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like I know we do. 
I know it's not 100% of them, right? But there's a, it's more than zero. So that, yeah, yeah, probably a, a, a small percentage. Because as you were saying, like the the physical activity guidelines don't tend to be messed uh, overly often. But oh yeah, well you know when we're talking about the gym population, we're yeah. we're talking about that eight percent. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, it's like not every not a hundred percent of people have gym memberships. Obviously, not like all the yeah. sedentary folks that are included in those, like the ninety two percent of people that aren't meeting the guidelines. Like a yeah. huge number. Of, like it's not like every fucking person on you know planet Earth has a gym membership and just doesn't use it. <laughs> so you have to start looking at your PPS number. <laughs> um, it just comes out, comes straight out of your wages. Yeah, it'd be great for PAOE, us. PAOE, fly first, PRSI. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I've definitely realized that as well. That like the you know optimal doesn't matter if somebody is only going to show up once every two weeks or something like that. You know, well, so it it does, but optimal actually means something different. Optimal means fucking enjoyable and fits into their life. Yeah, it doesn't mean you know promotes ten percent more hypertrophy in their vastus medialis. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. so maybe the difference between an academic optimal and and real life optimal. I I think the fucking academics need to catch up here, man. Because like, mm. what's the state? What's the you know desired outcome here? Desired yeah. outcome is their training and being healthy. It's not that they have five percent more fucking hypertrophy and like this isolated muscle or some bullshit. It's like you know. So I think we can, uh, yeah, like a optimal training. Yeah, you know, and I think the term is problematic as you say, but uh, the. Yeah. Uh, I think it's uh, it's uh, it's looking at the right outcome. Yeah, mm. and it's optimal for what outcome is the fucking uh, yeah. is the question. And once you define your outcome, that actually starts telling you about what might be the best way to go about doing it. Mm. And of course, like we you know, harken back to what we talked about earlier, most people never really define their outcome, and yeah. you know, they just kind of get spun by the tides. Yeah. And what what does what does your own training look like these days? <laughs> oh man, my own training looks like having a one year old and a three year old and trying to renovate a house and run a business at the same time. <laughs> I did. I think I saw one of, yeah, you put up a Facebook post about, uh, it seems like you've done like a, a huge amount of uh, DIY work on your house. Yeah. Well, I, I've tried to give people money to do things in this house and it's fucking impossible. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, once you get into like 1800 houses and shit, like they're built of rocks that have been stacked on top of each other and have like lines thrown in between them. Right. And like, yeah. you know, like there aren't a lot of, like most builders are like working on houses that have totally different materials and totally different systems for vapor management and all that. And like, uh, yeah, so you get a lot of guys who just don't know what the fuck to do with them. And you also get a lot of other like problems because things aren't square and level the way mm. we want them to be and all that. But yeah, so that and financial concerns uh, added to the fact that I'm just a stubborn prick that likes to do things by myself anyway has led to me yeah. doing most of the work around here. Sure, sure. But so yeah. that that obviously that obviously constrains uh, training time. Um, yeah, well, it's not like I'm doing as much renovation anymore because like we have the place pretty livable now. But uh, yeah, to answer like what does my training currently look like? Um, like I say earlier, I try to make sure I always get two full body resistance training workouts done and like be you know, be physically active. So like I'll either get outside and like try and drag some shit around my garden or go for a big walk or go for a little jog or something. And uh, a lot of my training is actually very motivated by the sort of things that I'd like to be able to do uh, with my kids. Right. So like I'm, I'm very interested in being able to move really quickly off the mark and cover 10 or 40 meters extremely fast mm-hmm. uh, because that would be relevant to stopping my children from falling into bodies of water or running into traffic and shit like that. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, actually good starting speed. Yeah. So I actually spend a lot of time doing like power cleans and power snatches and um, also because I enjoy throwing my kids in the air and it's fun to be able to throw my three-year-old like 12 feet in the air and shit, catch me yeah. again. So it's like <laughs> power snatches are very relevant to that. So it's just it keeps me gross. interested. Yeah. yeah, like this, I just, I fundamentally enjoy throwing weights over my head and dropping them on the floor again afterwards. So, I mean, even if that's like less optimal for my training, you know, it's not going to create much hypertrophy and it's not going to create much fat loss or any or much uh-huh. capacity or any of that sort. Like, I look forward to doing it. So it's like, 
like I will do shit just for fun quite a lot in my training because it's like I'm not I don't have any competitive goals right now. Like I'm not trying to beat any people that are doing anything else. So it's like, sure. I want to be active. I want to maintain some muscle mass and I want to enjoy myself when I do it. I was fucking around with some hand walks there yesterday. And the, uh, yeah, just doing different stuff. Like I do. Yeah. I mean, like I'll almost always every week I'll do some kind of heavy squatting. I'll do some kind of heavy pulling things off the floor. I'll press things. I'll do pull-ups. Yeah. It's like, I kind of think about it that way. It's like, once I've got these basic boxes ticked, I get to play with the rest of the week. I just do whatever the fuck I feel like on any given day. Yeah. And are you training from home or are you training in a regular gym? A little bit of a mix. Um, I'm training in a commercial gym, a little drive away from me, which, uh, yeah, yeah I'm in a flight fit actually, which uh, I find hilarious that I can just go down there and pay these guys like a couple of quid per month to drop a Lego equipment up and down the floor. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fly fit is, is, is good for uh, the membership rates and, you know, access to pretty decent equipment. Well, you know, I'm standing there holding a 4,000 euro competition at Lego bar going, why the fuck do you have this? What is going on here? <laughs> I think there was a dodgy thing now apparently they've changed it but i think for a long time they had kind of a dodgy payment scheme worked out where they weren't really paying the personal trainers there yeah well that's popular yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that has been a method of making money in the fitness industry for quite some time yeah <laughs> exploding the dreams of a newly qualified trainer oh man there's so much of that it's like sickening sometimes but yeah um, no i think a lot i think to be fair like you know if you're like the the money guy in like a big commercial operation like that hmm. You know, you're conditioned to paying 15 grand for a treadmill anyway. So it's like, yeah, you know, some guy turns around to you and says, hey, we need the 6,000 euro barbells. And you know, oh, fuck, it sounds cheaper than stupid treadmills. Don't <laughs> Is this what people like? I don't know. Here's the check. Yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like that much. And then you get to come in and snatch on us. That's cool. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, that's when I joined up there. I was like, I saw all this Lego gear and it's just like, well, I'm not going to fucking go here and not like snatch as a competition set of fucking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah, right. Um, that's brilliant. Well, look, I think we've covered uh, all the topics that I had laid out there. We could, we could talk for two or three hours, but I know that uh, you're on a time schedule and so am I. Uh, um, I'm on Fridays. Nobody listens to anything I write on Fridays anyway. So <laughs> I have a week organized. So I do all the important shit Monday to Thursday. <laughs> well, if people want to um, if people want to get in contact with you for your coaching services, where would be the best places to go and seek you out or follow some of your content? Oh, I'm all over the place. You can find me on Instagram, William.Walsh. Uh, same on Facebook. I've uh, got a website, willwalsh.com. Um, uh, I'm not good. You mentioned TikTok earlier. I'm not currently active on there because I just got so fucking busy coaching clients in January and February, which I must start that up again. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So maybe we'll commit to that. Uh, <laughs> you'll be able to find me on TikTok by next week again, I suppose. <laughs> nice one. Roll you're on going yeah. to be posting any, uh, any new dances soon or is that not quite your style? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, I'm more going for the ranting. That's uh, that's more. <laughs> uh, ranting is popular as well. Yeah, if we, we might combine the two art forms. See if we can get a dancing rant going on, be like a diss track or something. Or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> start start some internet beef with uh, another TikTok coach. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Well, listen, it was great catching up with you after so long, and you know, maybe yeah, if you ever wanted to come back on sometime to to chat shit again, it'd be great. Yeah, sure, been fun. Brilliant, man. Well, look, thanks very much for that. And uh, look, hopefully I'll talk to, you, talk to you again soon and I'll be I'll be following the TikTok videos to come. Totally. Thanks very much for the invitation and thanks for having me on. All right, Well, Have a good day, all right? You too, sir. Cheers.